You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Well, good morning, Howard. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you. Howard, give us a little snapshot of what your business is. Why are you here today? We're showing small, medium-sized, and any type of employer how to get rid of the middlemen, particularly in pharmacy, which reduces their cost. It's that darn middleman. Yes, it is. How did you ever find this out about pharmacy? What's your connection with pharmacy? Well, my background's accounting, and uh, you know, my, my background is not necessarily with pharmacy. It's with uh, finding where the fat is in the structure of how we buy uh, and pay for medical benefits, particularly pharmacy. Gotcha. And pharmacy is really the, the, uh, the easiest one to be able to redefine and, and uh, redirect and just get the middlemen out of the way, and a pharmacy should be working directly with employers. Why is that the easiest one? Is there just so much fat in pharmacy? Or? There's huge fat in pharmacy, and it's identifiable too uh, because you have, a, you have a, a given product involved. They're all maintenance drugs. And um, generally, you don't have the, uh, the fragmentation in uh, how people buy prescriptions as you have in how they buy health care because there's so many variable needs in health care. But uh, pharmacy is a little bit more quantifiable. Other health care, you might have so many different choices. But pharmacy, if there wasn't so many smoke and mirrors put in by the PBMs, it's actually a cleaner business. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, so, in effect, employers are buying prescriptions from an insurance company with premium, and they're just using the pharmacies as pickup points, and they're bypassing the pharmacy professional's expertise and running to middlemen who are just adding cost. they got to reverse that and bypass the middlemen and get to the professional pharmacy who has the expertise to really help them, give them a chance. Now, when you say they're running to the pharmacy and they're bypassing what the pharmacy can do, is that because pharmacies aren't getting paid enough to spend time with people? I mean, arguably, couldn't I say, well, people are still going to the pharmacy, and so aren't they still getting pharmacy access? They're getting pharmacy access, but they're too often using the pharmacy as a pickup point for their prescriptions, and using insurance agents to give them guidance as to how to pay for it. Insurance agents don't know anything about pharmacy. Uh, so therefore, your professional pharmacist will give you a better value, a better guidance, and a better result when the employer controls the money and what the pharmacist does has a direct positive impact on what the cost is to that employer plan. The customer will still have access to the pharmacist, but the pharmacist in years past, like when my dad was running the thing, they would have these cost conversations with people about, hey, maybe you should switch to this generic or do this or or maybe this different kind of care and so on. And now that's been really taken out of the hands of pharmacists because they can't control the formularies and things like that. The insurances are doing it, and they don't know what they're doing. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, whatever help the pharmacist can give them has no dollar impact on the employer because the premium they're paying the insurance companies is going to remain the same regardless. So the benefit is to the insurance company, not to the employer. The employer has to uh, take this away from the control of the insurance companies and the PBMs 
and empower themselves to be able to empower the pharmacist to be able to work directly with each other. You have a son in the business. Yes, I do. How did he get into pharmacy? Well, his, his background was microbiology and uh, uh, research uh, is a very, very unstable field and pharmacy was much more stable. And uh, so he gravitated to that because he understood it. And um, he's finding a very, very good niche. How has it helped your knowledge to have him in the business? Or, asked another way, does it help you at all that he's in pharmacy by being able to communicate to you and have you answer questions? Or would you be able to find all that just as easily without him? Well, he has a partner. He's in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he has a partner who has a, 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 an established uh, uh, operation. And uh, I've tried not to interfere in that at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, he's a tremendously capable young man, and uh, they're both doing very nicely. But when they ask my advice, I'll offer it. Who are the villains in this? Who are the people that you think should be targeted that are carrying the fat? Well, we're our own worst enemies. We really are, the, are our own villains. You know, we're not recognizing, you know, the obvious. Uh, you take the average pharmacy, independent pharmacy, who is providing uh, a, a medical program to their employees, and almost every one of them are using a Blue Cross United Healthcare or Aetna type plan. So they're in effect buying their own product back from insurance companies at substantial markups in the form of the PBM spread plus the insurance company's markup. And they don't even know what their costs are themselves because the carriers won't tell them what they're being charged. So, you know, we, we can start there. I read an article that you had written and it grabbed me because it explained what I think I go through where let's just take the pharmacy business, as you talked about, as a customer of the insurance companies. And things are busy in the pharmacy and you're moving along and you're not thinking about stuff. And all of a sudden, your insurance renewal becomes due again. And it seems like everybody is pushing and pressing to say, make this decision quickly. I think that's probably so you don't have time to make a good choice. And in your article, it said, try to buy some extra time for the business to talk to somebody like yourself. How do businesses find that extra time when it seems like they're getting pushed to just go along with the flow? Well, typically, um, health insurance uh, uh, plans uh, have a calendar year, not a calendar year, but a 12-month basis, and um, you can change a carrier anytime you want. So if you have a Blue Cross plan, you may have to pay a little higher premium on a renewal for a month or two, but um, there's no reason why you feel that uh, uh, you're committed and held hostage for the balance of that 12-month period. You can change any time you want. Well, many employers are their own worst enemies also <laughs> because they let form completely trump the substance of the actual cost. So if an employer decides that just because of a, a, uh, a calendar date overpay premiums until that next calendar date, 
That's their choice. But they're throwing away tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And when you translate what they have to generate in revenue to net that back to the bottom line, that's the real cost of their program that's unnecessary. You know, many employers operate on a net, net, net bottom line that's uh, in the single digits. Yeah. It's very interesting what you say that about the year because there is no year. Basically, you're getting yearly rates from the insurance company, but you're not really signing up for a year's worth of service. And to prove that, just don't pay your bills some month and they drop you quicker than a hot potato. That's right. So this whole whole exercise of uh, uh, labels, self-funded and fully funded and all that, is quite frankly illusory because every group out there is self-funded and then they're insured. You're self-funded by paying a full premium, which really is pre-funded, and then you're insured. Or you're self-funded by being funded where you control the money and there's a point at which you're insured. Now, if the employer controls the money, they get the direct benefit of lower cost of, uh, of, of product. So the issue here is the comparison of what the cost of products and services are that you are using versus the premium we're being charged to buy it with instead of running from one company to another and just getting quotes from premiums. Right. No one's doing an analysis or, or a comparison of cost of service to premiums being charged to buy it with. Right. And the pharmacy happens to be... Uh, the easiest aspect of this to be able to evaluate. How do you build up trust in a potential customer? Because it seems to me what happens is when I have a person come who's trying to sell me whatever at the business, and let's say they want to sell me a new energy plan or something for my electricity I'm using. And they come in and they tell me all this stuff. And I say, okay, well, it sounds interesting, but this is so confusing. I'm just going to sign up with a big name Blue Cross plan or something. How do you get people to take this extra time to really give this a shot? And then how do you give them that trust to say that they're going to be okay should they have cancer or be in a big car accident or something? I know from the inside all the atrocities that the PBMs are bringing along, but how do you build up that trust with either pharmacists or customers. And I know part of it is probably just information like this, getting the story out. But what brick walls do you come across when you're trying to get this message across? That's really, that's a great question, Mike. Um, I'll tell you, this is not for everybody, not because the, the economics and the numbers don't work. It's uh, the, uh, the philosophy and um, the perspective of an employer. Um, the employers who are looking for solutions are people that are willing to listen and can be given the answers to uh, uh, solve their problem. Those employers who want to continue to uh, defend what they're doing and debate the reason for that defense 
uh, is perfectly okay too, but uh, those are not uh, prospects for solving their problem. Now, um, we're working with independent pharmacists to be able to bring a message of reality to the employer community. I'm finding pharmacists are not really um, bringing the appropriate message to the employer to get their attention in order to change. Uh, now, when we go into an employer, I prefer to go in with a pharmacist. Hmm. The first question we ask is, don't you think you're going to get a better value and a better result and better guidance from a pharmacy professional about your pharmacy benefit than an insurance agent? And the answer is yes, all the time. I said, well, you know, let's stop going to insurance agents for solutions. Let's start going to your pharmacist who's right here down the street. And then um, I said, I'm going to let them tell you what they're getting paid for the prescriptions you're buying and, and what you're getting charged through the system for the same prescriptions. And now it's a, it's, I can't predict what prescriptions you're going to need, nor can the pharmacist, nor can you. But if you can buy from a pharmacist at a substantially lower price than what you're being charged by the PBM and insurance company, with professional advice and knowledge of what your costs are, wouldn't that be a better model than what you're doing now, just getting quotes blindly from insurance people who have skin in the game in the form of commissions? I said it, and we tell them we have to we have to uh, disturb them about what's happening. A simple question is, why do you think it's a value to pay an insurance agent a commission, added to the cost of every prescription you have to buy from the pharmacist? And that is a, that's really baked into your premium. And furthermore, on the anniversary date, premiums are going up about ten percent a year. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So on your anniversary date. The cost of your prescriptions just went up 10% buying it from an insurance company. And as the pharmacist, if the, the cost of the product automatically goes up 10% while sitting on the shelf, you know, uh, on an anniversary date, and the answer is no. I said, so why would you buy this product and pay 10% more from this venue when you can buy it for a lower price and the price didn't go up 10% from another venue? It, it's That's the context in which we have to discuss this. Not insurance. Ask the pharmacist if they got any raise too. <laughs> uh, well, that's my point. Exactly. Yeah. When you ask the companies this question, do they have access to those records of what they're paying for certain medicines? Or is that all jumbled together so it's hard for the widget company to know this when you say you're paying more? Can you prove that to them by them going into their invoices or whatever? Well, if, if they're insured with the usual uh, boilerplate Blue Cross plans, they don't have access to that. And mm. our point is, until you position yourself to start having access to that, you're never going to control the cost. And right. you're never going to get the right uh, advice nor the right direction. You have to start somewhere. But if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to uh, uh, come close to solving this problem. And that starting somewhere might be looking at least at the pharmacy sides of the finances, and they may never get it from the insurance side, but at least they have one side of the equation, and they've got somebody who's willing to share one side of the equation, which should tell you something. Well, in order to position themselves, they've got to change the whole structure of their health insurance program, and they have to position themselves to um, 
really have the same uh, net model on health care itself. And they need to unbundle the administrative function from the control of the insurance system, possibly, and uh, minimize the premium they're paying to insurance carrier while maximizing the risk they put on their back. Uh, and there are four easy formulas to point this out to them so they can understand how to stay within a budget and remain within that budget year to year over a protracted period of time. You're talking about the employer through yes, all this. Yes, yes. This is really meant for employer-sponsored plans. It's impossible to do it for the individual because of the legislation that has changed the marketplace. Or how does a pharmacist decide to hop in your car and go down to this employer with you? Is it is it the pharmacist that's looking to do more of this, or do you try to get in touch with pharmacists and have them help you? We're really uh, um, trying to make contact with independent pharmacists, looking for those pharmacists that um, you know want a, a way to bypass the PBMs and to be able to work within their community. It works very, very well in uh, uh, you know small in, in small uh, uh, outlying cities, very well. Uh, now we're in the process of putting a model together right now in the St. Louis area because uh, we've been looking for ways to do this in urban areas, um, which was a little bit of a challenge because of how uh, spread out a workforce is mm. and how fragmented the marketplace is. Right. But uh, we're really close to accomplishing something with a, uh, a group of pharmacies right now. And when I say close, probably within the next 30 days. And we Great. think the model is, it has uh, all the... Uh, uh, elements for it to be effective, and it will work. In the rural areas, besides the workforce not being so spread out, and besides them not being so much fragmentation and competition, can I put it that way too, that there's also maybe more involvement with the independent pharmacy and stuff that's going on in the the township or city. There's sometimes a, a higher level of association or trust built up? Well, uh, the, the pharmacist uh, and the business community, they know each other in the small towns anyway. So they yeah. already know each other. Right. And you see what the average um, consumer that is a participant in a group plan doesn't realize is that even though they might be getting their prescriptions at uh, uh, you know John's Pharmacy right there in town, um, he's losing money. He's yeah. not making any money. And um, they don't know that. Right. And, and the lack of knowledge on the part of the employer and the lack of the appropriate education and marketing on the part of the pharmacist is really the problem here. There's a hole there. And that's what we're finding uh, is necessary to be able to fill, you know, with, with common sense knowledge. Well, here's an example. Uh, we're, we're implementing right now and have uh, at, uh, um, in, as of January 1 and February 1, uh, bringing together the local pharmacies in a community of around 6,000 in Missouri, uh, and it's the city and the county. Now, both the city and the county we talked to two years ago, and now they're finally crying uncle because they're getting double-digit rate increases way beyond what uh, is justifiable from Blue Cross, both of them. Right. Well... Now the, uh, uh, the, the program is being restructured, 
the funding that uh, was heretofore premium is now budget and it's soft dollars and uh, the uh, uh, relationship in giving a preferred provider status to the local independent pharmacies is incenting the employees to go to the local pharmacies. Now, the local pharmacies are going to get a better margin because they can set their price, and yet the cost is less to the plans because we've taken the, uh, uh, the PBM's markup um, pretty much off the table. Uh, I, we did this for a, uh, a client of ours in Iowa City or, uh, or, um, about the first quarter of last year. And uh, they were, they've been self-funded, and they resisted going to their, their, their local pharmacy for a couple of years because they, they uh, thought they were doing just fine with the PBM. Finally, after twisting their arm, we connected them to their local pharmacy, which is about a mile away from their, their facility. The very first month that we had this in place, one of the family members who's a principal of the uh, plumbing supply firm that we're working with here sent me an email telling me that uh, his, his uh, insulin supplies or his uh, diabetic supplies from the PBM were running around $610 uh, every time he bought them. And now at the pharmacy, directly, it's $345. Hmm. All right. Now, the pharmacy is making more money at the $345 than right. they were when he was paying $610. And the cost to the, to the employer is lower. When you say they're self-funded, do they go out and piecemeal these different parts of the plan together, like catastrophic, PBM, dental and things? I always thought that companies maybe would go more and buy a package from somebody like we do in our pharmacy as a, as a company. We buy this package that has already combined all of these things together. Right. But it sounds to me like you're saying that this company says, here's how we're going to do prescriptions. Here's how we're going to do dental. Here's how we're going to do vision. Here's how we're going to do surgery, healthcare, and so on. Explain that to me. Well, I'll give you an analogy, uh, uh, Mike. Look, if you're going to build a house, you have all these different components that go into the house, right? Mm-hmm. So you go to a general contractor, and he takes his specs, and he goes to the subcontractors. All right, now, if you buy that house and build it with a general contractor, you'll pay one price. If you go directly to the subcontractors, you'll pay a lesser price. Right? Gotcha. Okay. Right. Now, we're not saying that every employer's got to go to those subcontractors themselves. We do that for them. Gotcha. All right. But we, we want to position them to be able to contract directly as much as, much as possible, and everything will flow through an administrative uh, uh, funnel uh, so that they're not uh, having to pay piecemeal, which is what uh, they have to be made to understand. Okay? So in this case, in that example, you would come in as the smaller local subcontractor that knows more about the company, knows more about their needs, and can work. You're going to work with the local plumber and local electrician. That's right. You trust them, and there's there's all of that built up. Some of the companies, if they're big enough, they probably piecemeal this all themselves. They become their own general contractor. Well, they might, but they're still looking to somebody who has access to all these different components to gotcha. kind of be the, be the funnel and the glue. But it sounds to me like just as an independent pharmacy, 
are sometimes passed over for the chains that everybody is used to. There's also independent general contractors, let's say, that are passed over for the chains of the general contractors being these big healthcare contractors. But as we know, with our independence comes great care and great concern. That also can be given to the local general contractor like you. Yeah, you see, um, most brokers don't know uh, to do this. They have been indoctrinated to sell policies. They are not indoctrinated to compare cost. Gotcha. I've been indoctrinated to, to compare cost, and um, I'm not a professional insurance guy. I'm uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm a, a you know a, a cost oh. evaluator. Uh, I was in a family business years ago. I had to buy these plans. Yeah. And when we evolved to the PPO HMO uh, model, with the uh, um, the the uh, uh, pharmacy being integrated into these premiums, I realized pretty quickly I'm I'm just uh, pre-funding for services. I'd like to know what my costs are, and they wouldn't yeah. tell me. And right. that's what got me angry. So I, I studied what large employers did and found that they have better benefits because they're more cost efficient, not because they're bigger. Right. So if we use the same model they use, why can't we get, accomplish the same effect they have? And we right. can. No, no, one's being, no one's showing them how to do it. And when you say the insurance agencies often sell policies, basically they're the salespeople for these bigger plans. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And I think what happens is typically that, let's say, Howard, you're you're doing this and and you get better at it and get bigger and so on. And and then there's economies of scales and so on. But I think what's happened in the insurance companies is where the hidden margins start to appear, the corruption. And so we all would say, yeah, if you can get better economies of scale, we're probably going to be able to cut your costs. What's happened in these big insurance companies is we can easily prove where there's fat and corruption and a lot of this shenanigans going on where a lot of companies get to that when they hit a certain size. That's where a lot of that hidden agenda is and that's where you want to deal with someone who's big enough but hasn't gotten to the corrupt stage yet well uh the answer is uh uh you know to your question is uh yeah you want you want to uh, eliminate that and here let, let me give you uh you know an analogy mike and and uh, perhaps you can see how simple this really is yeah all right let's say you know just take a, a you know a, you know a pen that's sitting on your desk and let's say right that you're the manufacturer of that pen. Now, to get it to market, you have to sell it to a distributor. The distributor marks it up from you, the factory. And now the distributor, in turn, sells to a retailer who marks it up from the distributor, who sells to the customer. Now, if that customer bypasses the retailer and goes to the distributor, they're going to get a better price. If they bypass the distributor and the retailer and go to the factory, they'll get a better price yet. They have no idea how many pens they're going to need from year one year to the next, but it's impossible to spend more, you know, for the volume of what they buy if they go factory direct or wholesaler direct than the retailer, right? 
Okay. Now, let's take the pharmacy in this context. The product already resides on the shelf of the pharmacy, right? Now, to get it to market, he in turn is in uh, you know uh, implicitly selling it to the PBM, right? Yeah. All right. Now, the PBM is marking it up from the pharmacy. The PBM, in turn, sells it to the insurance carrier. The, so the PBM is, in effect, the wholesaler, and the insurance company is, in effect, the retailer, who in then turn sell it to the uh, marketplace in the form of premium to the policyholder. Sure. Now, if the policyholder can bypass the retailer, the insurance company, and go to the PBM, they'll get a better price. That's what they've been used to doing if you're a little larger company. Yeah. But now, if you bypass the insurance company and the PBM and you go right to the pharmacy, you're going to get a better price yet. So the pharmacy is the factory. Now, that pharmacy can sell that product at a price somewhere between um, where he's getting paid by the, uh, the what he's getting paid by the PBM, you know, uh, but a little bit uh, higher and get a better margin but not as high as the PBM. So everybody wins. In theory, the, P the PBMs can say, well, but we force competition and all that kind of stuff. The problem is there's so many smoke and mirrors and they've forced out so much that they've done the opposite of what combining sales did. And then they throw that layer of fat in there, but nobody knows what that layer of fat is. There was a key, two key words in what you just said. The PBMs will say, in theory. Yeah. All right. right. In reality, it's different. So that one of the uh, uh, you know one of the uh, frustrations or exercise in futility that I see getting nowhere in your independent pharmacy world is <clears throat> you're spending a lot of time and a lot of money running to lobbyists and lawyers and uh, and congresspeople to do something about the behavior of the PBMs, none of which has any uh, real effect. Hmm. So the very simple solutions just take the business away from them on a local level. Yeah. All right? I, you know, just uh, uh, this past month, we took uh, two primary uh, 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 employers in this community away from the PBMs. And when you take the dependents and the employees together, uh, it's almost uh, about 8% of the population there, of, of the consuming population between the employees yeah. and dependents. Yeah. Now, we did that in 30 days. Right. All right. And that has much more effect market to market. Think about this number for just a minute. I know this would never happen in this pristine uh, uh, model, but here's the, here's the power that the independents aren't exercising. There are, from what I've been told, about 22,000 independent pharmacies in this country. All right, we just took two employers away from the PBMs in this particular city for this, for this pharmacist. If every independent pharmacist in this country just took two employers in their community away from the PBM to work directly with them, Literally, in a short period of time, you're taking 44,000 employers out of the hands of the PBMs. Yeah. And that's not hard. That's easier to do than to be running to uh, uh, legislators and lawyers and lobbyists and everything else. 
Yeah. These people go to church with each other. The kids play ball yeah. with each other. Why yeah. shouldn't they be working with each other to solve the problem? There's this entrepreneur that I follow online, and he was talking to his audience, and he said to these people, as soon as you have spent more time trying to patent something than to make your first sales, you're, you've already been beaten. And it kind of makes me think of what you're saying there. And we as pharmacists are so used to not selling. I mean, we sell passively when people come into the pharmacy, right. but we're so used to not selling that we think that the government is our only solution right. when we could be out selling to these businesses. Well, you know what? You got to be careful for what you wish for because if the government ultimately is the means uh, by which you try to address the PBMs, you might find up in worse shape than when you started. Yeah, right. Yeah, quite often we see that. Here's something I don't understand, Howard, and this is pretty simplistic, but when I as a business person sign up for an insurance and I know that we're going to get prescription coverage once the deductibles are met and so on, whether I use a lot of it or a little of it, I'm paying the same amount. When does that stop? Do companies pay the actual amount of the drug or are they doing similar to what I'm doing as an individual of just paying a set amount per employee? Who actually pays for the medicine and when does that start? Well, you're paying for that medicine with the premiums that you're giving to the insurance carrier. It's all baked into that premium. It is, I know, but it's kind of an all-you-can-eat philosophy. When does that change? Who actually says, I'm paying more because this person got an extra prescription? Well, the, you know, all our, um, group health insurance is, it's a privatized version of socialized medicine. You know, uh, it, it boils down to what the group is spending on a per capita basis plus the insurance company's margin. Look, health insurance is the only thing that we call insurance that we use through these third parties to buy goods and services. Hmm. You know, for when, if you have a diabetic in your plan, yeah, you don't need an actuary to determine if they're going to be a diabetic. You know, he's going to, he or she is going to have a certain need for certain prescriptions and supplies for the rest of their life. Yeah. Right. Now, no insurance company is going to fashion a premium that, you know, is going to absorb the cost of that identifiable need yeah. at a level less than what the need really is. Yeah. They've created a system to make you feel that way because you just focus on copays. But what you need is somebody to give you the right advice to get the best value, you know, to meet that need in the best way to get the best result. That's not an insurance agent. That's a pharmacist. You know, when I've sat down with people now, with a pharmacist, uh, you know, um, not only do I ask them, does it make more sense to have a pharmacist give you advice than an insurance agent, but I said, all these years that you've been trying to figure out how to pay for health care and pharmacy for your employees, did you ever have a medical or pharmacy professional in the meeting to help you evaluate, you know, the best way to address this? Right. And the answer is no. I said, 
So let's start doing it now. All right, so Howard, I'm a little slow here. I understand the actuaries and so on. Let's say, though, that I'm on a prescription that costs $1,000 a month. Right. That's a true cost, let's say, $1,000 a month. If I get that filled 12 times instead of 10 times, right? who's actually paying that extra $2,000? The group is in the form of premium. The cumulative dollars that is being given to the carrier is where the money is coming from to pay for that. But isn't the premium agreed upon? Let's say this is January through December. Right. Okay. And let's say that I skip November and December or I do get November and December. The premium's already been paid for those months. So they catch it up on the renewal? Exactly. You see, all these group health plans are short-term finance contracts. Gotcha. They'll front the money to you. Gotcha. You know, you can have a you can have a serious medical issue. They'll right. they're contracted to front the money. Gotcha. Until the end of your policy year. Then you get to pay it back in twelve equal installments the next year. <laughs> and there's a chance that you go to somebody else, but more than likely you're just gonna sign up with the program and and take the premium increase, which is gonna then catch them up from That's right. <laughs> The year before. You see, and you made a very interesting point too, Mike, because when you change carriers, those carriers do not really see any medical expense to speak of for the first month and a half or two months because of the, the time frame from the time services are incurred until the time they hit the pay window. Yeah, right. So you're paying 12 months of premium for 10 months worth of activity. Mm-hmm. Now, the following year, then what what you incurred in months 11 and 12 become the cost pay, you know paid with your policy in months 1 and 2 the following year yeah so that's when they catch it up and yeah. then they keep that's... all the money that you you didn't use at the front at the front end you know yes. in perpetuity howard as i look at your wall there i'm seeing all of these pictures and one that jumps out at me is charles bronson What's he doing up there? Well, that, that's it's kind of random. Uh, my entire office is wall-to-wall uh, memorabilia from sports to movies to music and you name it. Yeah. And so it's more of a clubhouse than an office, and we have a very, very lighthearted environment here. Are they all pictures or do some actually hold a value? Are some signed or are they just an eclectic mix of pictures? It's both. Both? Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I see Bronson there and it makes you – you're just like coming across as a tough guy, like I've got to do what you say here or you're going to break my arm or something. <laughs> I'm anything but that. <laughs> All right, Howard. So our pharmacist friends are listening to this, and I'm going to probably put some of my own feelings into this. They're listening right now, and they say, yeah, that's a good idea. And then they're like, uh, number one, I hate sales. I love when people come into me and say, what can you give me for a headache? But I cannot imagine myself as a salesperson. And then they're also saying, where would I even start with something like that? It sounds like a good idea from Howard, but what, where, how could I do something like that? What advice do you have for the person that has asked those two questions? 
Well, first of all, that, that's a good point, but uh, they are salespeople because unless they're salespeople, they're not going to be able to do, do any business and generate any revenue. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all salespeople. Now it's a question of degree and, uh, you know, and package. They're already salespeople by their nature because they, they sell to people. Well, they have to be because, uh, you know, how else do you get revenue without sales? I mean, by this very, very term, sales and revenue are one and the same, and without that, you can't stay in business no matter how much you charge for something or how little you charge. We might have been more passive salespeople in the past by saying, yes, insurance company will let you right. be our customer. But now it's just a different form we have to take. You know, we really uh, ultimately become a marketing partner with them. And gotcha. we are really the ones that bring the message to the employer but the gotcha. pharmacist has to be the one to open the door to the local employer. Because you could send a letter or something like that, but the odds of them responding aren't going to do anything. That's not going to work. That That's not going to work. We have to get people to listen. Yeah. If they'll listen, you know, um, we, we can show them a whole different world. So take this this uh, city in uh, um, in Missouri. Uh, we happen to have put, uh, you know, the we uh, uh, changed the the, uh, the structure of the uh, health insurance plan for this particular pharmacist. Uh, in two and a half years, we've saved this pharmacist on his health plan uh, in excess of a hundred thousand hmm. dollars, and and he's got about twenty six employees, uh, and he's and the pharmacy he sells to himself, and he knows what his costs are, and of course we did something similar in getting the costs down. Uh, from premium for identifiable medical services too, okay. Gotcha. So it, it, the whole thing, uh, you know, is, is restructured. All right. Now, the uh, city manager, you know, is close to the pharmacist. The commissioners on the county are close to the pharmacist. Yeah. But they don't know me. I'm in St. Louis. I have a solution for them. But um, I can't get to them unless somebody suggests that they take some time to talk to me. Yeah, so right. So without that, you know, going in there with the pharmacist, the probability of them talking to me is very, very small. Yeah, right. Without my being able to bring this message to them, however, the probability that the pharmacist could get, <laughs> get their, their plan structured differently is very small. Yeah, exactly. So we make a good partnership. And we can do that anywhere. How big does a pharmacy have to be to attempt their own services like the story you just told? How many lives do they have to be insuring in their own pharmacy company to test this out? Well, uh, we just put a plan into place for a pharmacy in Minnesota that has four employees. We're about to really? do one in Mississippi that has five employees. Really? We've already done them for small pharmacies. Um, but, you know, depending upon the state that they're in, for groups under 25, you know, uh, some states are a lot easier than others. If we're 25 or more, and that's not because of any type of law, it's because of the manner in which uh, insurance uh, uh, policies are structured and everything's an economy to scale – we pretty much can go anywhere and accomplish anything. All right. Under 25? Under 25, it's a little bit more difficult because it's underwritten gotcha. more carefully. I got gotcha. you. We've had a few that we've taken runs at, but we're looking for a spread in premium to cost a service. And uh, if that spread's not there initially, we don't want to put a square peg in a round hole. 
And the smaller you are, you don't have that insurance theory to That's right. cover the bumps. Yeah, but uh, there are tools available in the market in the insurance marketplace to be able to give an employer control of the pharmacy component so a pharmacist can sell to themselves or a pharmacist can uh, um, sell to others. But again, pharmacists are their own worst enemy. I've run into circumstances where um, there's a, a, pharma, a group of pharmacists own their own PBM and they're having trouble selling their PBM services to the marketplace. Well, we can help them do that. But those same pharmacists still continue to insure their employees with either Aetna or Blue Cross United Healthcare. So I'm pointing out to them, I said, why would any employer work with you directly when you're buying from the same companies they are and you're subsidizing the very uh, uh, institutions that are crushing you? What's their answer to that? Well, one guy said my broker is a very good friend, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and let me see if I have this right. I think I do where I can't tell my broker, find me a plan that just carves out to let me be my own PBM because they probably don't exist. Well, um, he could tell his broker that, but his broker will tell him that it's a bad idea and he can't do it and they listen to him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because it does exist, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, you know that oftentimes is uh, uh, the end is is an answer. I mean that's happened uh, more than once, and um, yeah, right. Or they don't want to take the time to change. So, you know, um, I, I could give you numbers of examples like that. Uh, but so when I say that the villain in this is ourselves, you know, look in the mirror. That's where you right. find the problem. Right. No one's holding a gun to our head to give them control of the money. We're, we're doing it voluntarily. Well, you have to hold a gun to their head for them to take control of their money. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for you to talk about this, but you got Charles Bronson on your shoulder. Well, that's right. Why do you think I have him there? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that a lot of insurances would use scare tactics on this. That's what they're selling. Let's say you come to me and we're talking and all of a sudden – I call up, you know, my broker or something and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, but wait till your wife gets cancer or wait till this or wait till that. I think a lot of that is all based on, I think a lot of the objections are going to be based on fear. Well, it is. Um, it is. Uh, you know, we're, work we're working right now with a group of pharmacies in St. Louis. And, you know, to uh, take a public entity, a pretty high profile public entity directly to them. Now, in one breath, they want to sell directly to them and bypass the PBM. In the next breath, they're insuring their people with Aetna, and they have no idea what. And Aetna is now vertically integrated with CVS Caremark. Yeah, right. You know, so on one hand, do as I say. On the other hand, I'm not going to do as I say. I'm going to do as yeah. I do. You know, so if, if, if that's what they choose to do, that's what they choose to do. But it really is self-defeating when you do that. Right. Why do you think that, I think you mentioned one, you said the broker, they know the broker, he's a friend of theirs. Why else do you think is there that they're not using their own PBMs? 
Well, uh, uh, fear is, is, is primarily a very, very strong factor in all this. Habit yeah. is a strong factor in this. Indoctrination right. is a strong factor in this. Right. Um, and uh, they, uh, are, you know, quite frankly, um, have not been shown the true uh, 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 economics and the true dynamic of what can be accomplished if you take control of this thing. Let me, let me, let me give you something that's uh, very interesting. Yeah. The way we normally begin and the benchmark that we use is what the premium is that that employer is paying at the time that we, that we would start a program. And the benefits that we provide are the same thing. Now, we don't provide the benefits. The, the employer does with what money they're putting into the system and the, and the combination of the employees. That's where the benefits come from. No insurance company, no insurance policy. It all starts with the cash. All right? I have employers whose budgets today are no different than the premium they was paying more than five years ago, and their benefits are the same, and they're sitting on six figures of unspent cash. So their employees aren't contributing anymore, they're not allocating anymore, and if they have uh, you know, something of consequence, they're insured against that. And they're sitting on six-figure surpluses. Some of them, you know, accumulated so much, they went out and bought the equipment they needed and paid cash for it and still had six figures left after four, five, or six years. That's how much spread there is between um, uh, premium and reality. When you say sitting on it, are you being figurative or is there any reason they have to sit on it? Do they have to keep some in escrow or something? No. They've made that much. They've saved that much. That's right. So it, it, it's either allocated or sitting in a separate account or it's sitting in a general account and it's a journal entry. Or it's a memory of going to Hawaii with it or whatever they wanted to do the, with there it. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Well, an, another uh, reason why uh, we've run into a brick wall yeah. is I've heard, well, this is too good to be true. Right. It's not too good to be true. It's what is true. We've just been told how many things, uh, I mean, so many things that aren't true. Yeah. And it seems like if people say that, it's like, all right, guys, listen, there's all this fat on the PBM side. That's where that too good is. It's sitting there. That's right. And if you just depend on the government to take that fat, the government's never cured fat. They're going to put that fat somewhere else. And so all this talk about it's too good to be true, it's like, well, let's take a look at this executive's compensation package. That's where the too good part is <laughs> if yeah. you're looking for some truth. Yeah, that, that's right, Mike. Look, the state of West Virginia, there was a big article about them. Um, they had a forward-thinking governor who <clears throat> got rid of the PBMs uh, for their Medicaid program and took it intrastate. They saved $54 million the first year. Now contrast that to Illinois that just expanded the PBM's role in their Medicaid program to the consternation of the independent independent pharmacists because the lobbyists representing, you know, the Chicago interests where some of your big PBMs reside, you know, uh, bought their way past it. Oh, sure. You know, now, yeah, they also have their ex-governor sitting in the slammer. Well, yeah, they say that uh, Illinois is the only state where the governor gets to makes, actually makes the license plates for their constituents. <laughs> Speaking of license plates, it's like 
all my license plates on a few of the cars, like the paint's bubbled and it's actually the paint's coming off. And it's like, you'd think that it's like they had one job to do is to find paint that sticks onto a license plate. <laughs> well, listen, uh, when the governors are making the license plates, they really weren't trained to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me think of the things that a company would say. One is they would say, my employees are so used to having the name brand of Blue Cross or the name brand of this advertised thing. How are they going to feel if I give them a crumpled up flimsy card that says Joe's insurance? Is that argument valid as much as someone wanting to buy a name brand something, even though they know it's maybe not the best, they've heard of it before. And at least, at least they know that what they're results will be somewhat well that's a valid point and 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 uh, that has been uh, a factor from time to time but our, our response to that is this is is this name brand medical service or name brand accounts payable service which is it it's a name brand accounts payable service don't give the payable service your name brand money and see how many name brand medical services you're going to get or name brand pharmacy uh, 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 products you're going to get. It begins and ends with your cash. Break that analogy down, Howard. I know analogies are supposed to be easier, but we're up here in Michigan and our brains are frozen. So let me think through that a second. So the name brand medical service versus name brand cash. To break that down. What do you mean by that? Well, if somebody comes into your pharmacy with a, uh, a United Healthcare card, a Blue Cross card, a MasterCard, or a checkbook. Is the quality of the drug that you give them across the counter any different? No. Is the need for that any different? No. But the price is different depending upon whose name is on the card or whose name is on the check. I gotcha. So all the care they're getting is going to still be from Dr. Jones, the best surgeon in right. town, and, and this brand name medicine. Right. We don't care so much about the processor. You don't need a name brand processor. No, you don't. Because whoever writes the check is writing that check drawn on the same funds that are being provided by that group, regardless of who's in the middle. Gotcha. All right. So Blue Cross has nothing to do with health care. United Healthcare has nothing to do with healthcare. They have all kinds of people that have nothing to do with healthcare interfering in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And the PBMs also. So when you have all these middlemen right. that stand between you and the guy across the counter, it's impossible to get a better value if you are sending your money all over the country to get it back across the counter. Yeah, right. Just hand it across the counter. What about taking the jump to, I want the best heart surgeon when my wife has her bypass and things like that. I guess one answer would be from the pharmacist when you two are going someplace together. They could say, well, look, you're going to get arguably better pharmacy care. Why wouldn't you also expect better heart surgeon but is that fear going to play in again where they're going to say don't go with that non-name brand because you're going to get a, a generic heart surgeon instead of the best heart surgeon you could get that obviously participates with 
Blue Cross, and so on. Well, what guarantee do you have that that heart surgeon even accepts Blue Cross? You don't. Or, or uh, um, the Mayo Clinic. Or uh, in, in today's world of narrowing networks, your, to your top tier uh, uh, specialists are not accepting that kind of control. So it still boils down to whoever controls the cash controls the system. I'm playing both sides, but that argument that I just made there, at least it should be the opening to put your foot in the door and say, well, let's take a look. We've got the books, right? They're not going in blind. They're able to, just like I'm able to look at my current doctors and go through, let's say, Blue Cross's directory and see who takes what and so on. During this time that we're trying to buy a little bit of time to talk to the local companies, they can do the same thing. It's not a blind no. It's not a blind thing they're signing up for. They can look for the providers and things, right? Yeah, but what guarantee do you have that those providers um, that you see on their roster this month are going to be there next month? Mm. You don't have any guarantee there. That's right. See? And also, when you're beholden to these, you know, to these third-party controls, you can go to a medical facility that lists itself as a network facility. But that doesn't mean that every practitioner within that facility is also a participant in that network. Yes, right. You see? Now, there are, there are, are uh, moves afoot to begin to get to um, more market-based compensation to providers than through these third-party negotiated PPO contracts and PBM contracts. Now, the thing that I don't understand is that, um, you know, these PBMs that had gag clauses, and I think that's being broken down a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, right. Okay. But that, quite frankly, is a textbook example of violating the, uh, the antitrust laws in this country. Sure in seems price that fixing. way. Okay. Now, there, I just saw an article. I posted it on my uh, uh, LinkedIn a, a, a few months back, about two months back, that um, the executives of some food processing companies were prosecuted for price-fixing canned tuna. Yeah. They actually were prosecuted for price-fixing canned tuna. Yeah. But nobody is, is, is looking at price-fixing with health care and prescriptions. But canned tuna? Yeah, right. We better get that canned tuna in a competitive market, otherwise we're going to go to you-know-where in a, in a handbasket. Yes, so the part that you said about the plans, the directories can change. There's no guarantee the people will be on that program next month and so on. That wasn't to pivot around the question of saying that maybe a non-name brand plan will allow you to see the current directories of doctors. They have those, right? Any plan yeah. is going to say what doctors are in there at that moment. Well, I, I, it's it's not a meant to pivot around. It's a meant it, it's meant to to get them to look at this in through a realistic prism that they're not. Now, let me be specific about that. When you give control to these insurance companies, they control your money. All right. So the point is that in some cases now, if you're not working with a medical a, a network provider. There is no benefit at all. It's not even in-network and out-of-network, a higher copay or lower copay. It's mm -hmm. a benefit or no benefit. Right. Okay? 
They're called EPOs, Exclusive Provider Organizations. Yeah. All right? Now, if you take that same cash and take it from the control of that third party and put it into the control of the um, consumer, who can dictate to them that they can't go anywhere? Sure. And who can dictate between the consumer and the vendor what kind of price they can work out? Sure. Nobody. All right, so let me hit this another time, though, uh, Howard. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. But back on my question, though, if a company says, I want to take a look, they would be able to see, at least currently, what doctors are signed up with yes. all plans. Yes, because we have to have a network that's connected to the, to the group. Gotcha. And there are many independent networks that can be uh, you know, connected to a program. Gotcha. In other words, you can actually contract directly with an Aetna um, a PPO network okay. or a Cigna PPO network or a number of independent networks. Gotcha. And the point you're stressing is, yes, you can do all that, which I didn't know you could for sure. But yes, you can do all that. But don't be fooled by the one that has all this stuff going on because you don't that's know right. for sure if that's going to be working right. out or not. Now, you see, Mike, when you con when you contract with a network... You're contracting for services from people who've agreed to sell them at a lower price. The network doesn't control your money. When you sign up with a company that controls your money and the network, you've lost that autonomy. You understand? Yeah, right. Okay. Right. So all of these components have to be separate from each other. Yeah, right. Now, if quite frankly... Um, they, you know, our legislators wanted to solve this PBM problem. What ought to happen is this: that no insurance company should have the exclusive uh, uh, um, prerogative to dictate who the PBM is. The PBM should be a completely separate component and should be competitively uh, um, sought to connect to any plan, whether it's Blue Cross, United Healthcare, or otherwise. So all you have to do to solve this problem is to make the PBM world a competitive world like the insurance premium world used to be. Yeah, right. And is to a degree. That's all. Right. All right, devil's advocate. Does, does, does that make sense? It makes sense. Let me play a devil's advocate. So the insurance comes back and says, wait a minute. Part of the service that we're offering here is we've worked out relationships with different people, and you want to carve out the PBM, but I've got all kinds of things that I am trying to give as a package. I'm trying to give vision, dental, psychiatric care, this, that, the other thing, surgery, chiropractic, physical therapy, and so on. If everybody's able to do this, then... I, as this bigger conglomerate of the insurance company, well, now I don't really do anything. I'm playing devil's advocate there. Why would they allow PBM choice? But then you've got all these other choices that could happen too. Well, you know, you have a choice of a, of a network. You have the choice of a network. And um, <clears throat> a network is nothing more than a, uh, um, a coalescing of um, and, and, uh, of uh, uh, providers that have agreed to sell their services at a, at a stated discount. Gotcha. Okay? Now, all a PBM is, 
is a, uh, a clearinghouse, you know, for the pharmacy. Right. So, and, and all the, the insurance company is, is a clearinghouse to handle the paperwork. Yeah. If it's more than that, that's your problem. If you've got all these sweetheart deals going on and all this black market stuff and all this with these couple PBMs and you can't do that with everybody else, well, that's exactly why we're trying to break this up. Well, I, I had a conference call with an, a, a pharmacist and a, quote, transparent PBM last week. Yeah. The, and the PBM representative got angry with me, which is okay with me. But uh, so this, he's, they're, they're presenting themselves as a transparent PBM. And they're giving us all of the, the, the generalized platitudes about rebates and, and uh, you know, discounts from average wholesale price and all that kind of stuff. I'm a very simple guy. Tell me what your price is for this particular product, and then I'll see if it's a good deal. So I, I told him, I said, listen, this is all I want to do. I'll give you a list of the prescriptions that are being used by this particular group and tell me what the price is. Well, we can't do that. We got to do this and that, and prices change every two weeks. I said, okay, so they, they might change every two weeks, but you give me your price, and these guys will give me their price, and then let's see who has the best price. He got mad, and he said, I'm leaving the line. Howard, you wouldn't believe it. In the independent pharmacy, I've been part of it for 40 years, and I've ran it for 25 years. My good acquaintances, these salespeople coming from these wholesalers, and I used to every time, I'd hold up a bottle of, let's say, 800 Motrin, whatever. And I'd say, tell me how much this costs. Tell me how much I'm buying this for. Right. And they'd start getting into, well, it depends about your rebate this month. And if you hit this and this, and if you ordered this while you were standing on one left foot, and if it was the, you know, a, a day that ends in Y and, you know, and they'd go through all this. I said, you got to be freaking kidding me. I'm spending X million dollars a year with you. And you're still talking rebates and discounts and that. Right. I said, that's something that you do for the first time for a, a restaurant until you find out which one you like. And I said, you're playing these stupid smoke and mirror rebate um, percentage generic BS. And just tell me how much it costs. And none of them can. None of them can, even though I'm ordering millions of dollars from them a year. Oh, they can if they wanted to. They just won't. <laughs> They won't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would argue that a salesperson standing there could not tell me. Well, that's true. They've drank the Kool-Aid of this bigger, or at least they've, they're getting the paycheck from this bigger organization. That they're indoctrinated. They're indoctrinated. No, that's true. But somebody knows. Somebody knows. Of course. They want it to be smoke and mirrors. Well, th th that's exactly right. So, you know, m my definition of transparent is, what do you charge for this particular drug? Not, you know, this is what we're charging you, you know, your plan, you know, uh, based on this average wholesale price uh, a discount. Right. What is that? That's like the PPOs. Well, we give a 50% discount. Off of what? <laughs> you know, I'm going to pick on used car salesmen because they usually get picked on the most. But even with a used car salesperson, yeah, you might feel like you just got abused when you're in there but finally when you leave the lot no matter how creepy you feel like i say i'm picking on them you could pick a lot of different industries but no matter how creepy you feel when you've left 
you know at least what you wrote the check for. That's right. These wholesalers, between the wholesalers and the PBM DIRs and on and on and on, you don't even know. And the audits and all that baloney, you still don't know easily 30 days later and arguably three years later what you've paid for that drug. Well, you know, one of the questions that generally I, you know, I, I, I've asked when I've run into that, as I ask, you know, I've asked one of these guys and said, "Look, if you if you walked into, um, uh, you know, Walmart, I don't care what it is, all right, and you bought a bunch of merchandise with your Mastercard, would you pay that Mastercard bill if all you got was a statement that said you bought a bunch of stuff and we're adding two thousand dollars to your balance? Send me a check." And he said, "No." I said, then why are you yeah. asking us to do it and call it Blue Cross? Yeah, because all Blue yeah. Cross is is a secured credit card. Yeah, with a finance con with a finance contract arrangement attached to it for you to pay it back next year. Yeah, that's that part we talked about. Yeah, that's all. It's no more complex than that. That makes it really easy to understand when you say you're paying it back next year with the higher premiums. And if someone happens to die or changes insurance, ah, you know, we've, they've got that built in too. But in general, 95% of the people are just going to renew and pay it then. So therefore, if insurance is meant to insure the future, why is it then priced to recover what you paid in the past? <laughs> That's right. All right? That's right. Yeah, you're paying that. Somebody right. gets this humongous, expensive treatment, and they get that at midsummer, and it's supposed to be insured for that. And unless they die and the whole company goes out of business, they're going to pay for that come January. Yeah, you want to hear something ironic, Mike? Look, this was about two and a half years ago, and I was brought into a small manufacturer. I had about sixty employees. They were paying United Healthcare through a uh, PEO. You know what a PEO is? Tell me. It's one of these employee leasing companies through the payroll companies. You actually lease your employees from a independent entity that collectivizes all these employees into an overall self-contained payroll system, payroll service, along with your health insurance and workman's comp. So it's all bundled together. Their premium with uh, United Healthcare that was tied to this program was going from 410,000 to 780,000 in one shot. When we got in there, we found what the answer was. They had three very high-priced drugs. One was uh, Stolara, one was Umera, and one was a cancer drug called Revlimid. When you add the three of those things up, they add up to 200 and some odd thousand dollars. All right, now, the premium went up to bake the cost of those drugs into the premium plus the, the, the carrier's margin. Yeah. All right, now we had some solutions for it, and um, they were just about ready to address this when they pulled the plug and they said, we're being sold to a private equity firm, and uh, they don't want to be, quote, self-insured, and they want to keep things as they are. Yeah. Just this past week... I got a call from uh, a, a property and casualty agency that uh, uh, we helped with a, with a plan. Yeah. And the ir irony of this is that the private equity firm in New Jersey, you know, called, uh, you know, they're, they're a, uh, uh, an insurance uh, a branch that they are connected to. Yeah. To solve the problem for this particular employer. It's the same employer. And they got the same problem. Yeah. 
We had it solved two and a half years ago. Yeah, exactly. You think they called us back? <laughs> no, 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 not 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 at all. Now, what's really sad is this: How many times have you heard employers say that we we have to have our employees be more responsible consumers and and watch this and watch that and so on and so right. forth? You, you hear that all the right. time. All right. While the people in the boardroom want the people in the lunchroom to be responsible consumers, the people in the boardroom are irresponsible consumers by not being willing to listen to what they can do to help their people in the lunchroom get a better value. Yeah, right, right. They go back to the friend of theirs who's the broker to keep their commissions high. Yeah. While they're spending their employees' money. Yeah, exactly. That's the cycle. Exactly. One question. Let, let's just say I have Blue Cross and let's say my company only has just a handful of employees that I have on a, let's say, insurance plan. I was always kind of under the impression that when I went back to my broker year after year and they say, here's the new premiums, I didn't know they were looking just at my five or six or 10 people. I thought they were maybe saying, all right, all of Grand Rapids area, this is what they use. So let's raise a premium up like this. But let's say like one of my people had cancer or something. Are they actually looking just at my business's prior year's cost or is it the bigger picture of the county or something? For a group your size, Mike, it's a combination of the two. Gotcha. All right. When you get to the size uh, or the premiums, the size of what I just described to you, yeah, uh, it, it's it's not it's not even actuarial anymore. It's a cost plus price. That I identify what uh, you know what's already known. Yeah, right. You know they they uh, pencil it out, plus yeah. their margin, plus yeah. some additional premium to take a risk for what they don't know. That's all. That's right. That's right. Something small like mine, they might group that into a bigger. They might group it into a bigger group. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Think of every type of insurance you buy. Yeah. Workman's comp, all right? Life yeah. insurance, disability insurance, uh, car insurance, auto insurance, yeah. product liability. Everything is event-based, right? You know, the one that hits me is car insurance because of all my kids. I know they're going to, you know, they're going to speed or get in an accident and it's going to go up the next year. Right, but it's still event-based. It's not utilization-based. It's event-based. In other words, your auto insurance won't put tires on your car. It won't change the oil. All right, but if you have a crack up, you know it'll fix it'll fix it or the liability. All right, event based. Gotcha. Right. Health insurance is not event based; it's utilization based. Right. So it's funding. It's funding, and therefore, the the exercise is: where do you get the best value for what services you are providing to your people? Right. In order to meet their needs some of which is identifiable already. Yeah. The analogy would be changing your tires on a car, buying gas, getting a car wash, vacuuming the car. Those are all things that the individual has to do. The event would be a crack up or a crash. Yeah. Breaking that down to the health side, where is that line drawn? Would would physicals and, and buying some certain things, those would be day-to-day -day costs? What would be a comparable event in health as an auto? Well, uh, it's something comparable. The diabetic. 
you. The diabetic needs insulin to run his body. A car needs gas to run the car. Yeah. Right? All right. Now, the, the diabetic has a need that, that's identifiable, and there's a cost associated to meet that need. Where do we get the best value? Where do you get the best value for tires for your car? What we need is somebody to take a risk for what we don't know. Gotcha. But what we're using premium to buy things for what we do know as well. And we've crossed that line. Gotcha. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, because you would never call changing your tires or getting gas, you would never call that car insurance. You would call that just maintenance, day-to-day things. And you're trying to find a decent yeah. service and decent price for it. Howard, if you were in the position as a pharmacy owner and you had not a crystal ball, you couldn't make anything happen, but if you were in the ownership position, what would you be doing right now after listening to us talk today? Well, if if I were if I were a pharmacy owner, I would be um, allocating a certain amount of my time every single week to um, talking with uh, every employer within my immediate marketplace, showing them what our compensation is and what they're being charged and what we can uh, um, sell the same product to them for substantially less if they would be willing to listen to a, main, a, a manner in which they could restructure their program that would mirror what large employers have done. And I, and I, would, I would document that with uh, as, as much um, data, and I, and I hate to use data, but uh, a validation of what has been written about this and what other uh, what other uh, organizations are doing. For example, there was an article in Business Week about uh, two and a half years ago that Caterpillar and the head the headline of the article said, "Drug costs too high, fire the middlemen," and it was about Caterpillar tractor bypassing the PBMs. And I would continue to pepper them with this information because it's a process, Mike. When you say show them what you got paid, what the pharmacy got paid versus what they're paying, that has to just be anecdotal, right? Or information from other stores because they can't see what they paid per drug, correct? Well, they, uh, number one, if they can't see, that's uh, uh, exhibit A of what's wrong because they're not being shown what their plan is being charged. And the reason why they're not being shown is because um, <clears throat> there's plenty to hide. Now, when you have a, a plan that's already uh, self-funded, then they can see. And they should see. And, um, you know, that is, you know, that is uh, 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 just a given. But there are articles out there now, because I'd go, I'd go uh, uh, and Google some of these things, where it specifically indicates that the pharmacy got $5 and the, the plan was, was charged $190. 
But you're saying if they're self-funded, they should be able to see that 190 somewhere on their own, yes. on their own literature? Yes. And because if they're not getting that information, uh, you know, itemized by purchase, then um, they are, are either not set up right or, uh, you know, somebody's got an awful lot to hide and somebody's getting some tremendous compensation built into that. Oh, I see. They're self-funded. So they're dealing directly with the PBM. Right. In your estimation, are most of them probably getting the per prescription price? Well, the PBMs have to charge the the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the plan, and they have to charge the plan by sending the TPA um, an itemized statement. I see. All right. Now that TPA should have that itemized statement. Now, if the TPA and the insurance company are one and the same, because the Blue Crosses and Cygnus of the world have a version of uh, of self funding, you know. But they still hide that into a lot of generalized information. Like in my example earlier, between the $10,000 per year or $12,000 per year, if I skipped a couple months, the PBM right. should be taking that information and showing that to the self-funded director and saying, we paid 12000 or we only paid 10000 for this. Right. They're not going to come back to the actual patient level but that's where they'll get it the next year that that they should be getting that every single um check run oh that's right i don't pay it directly but a self-funded company would pay it directly yeah you see uh, when a group is self-funded the only difference between being quote fully funded and self-funded is this when you're fully funded um, and I've I, I mentioned something to you about that uh, in, uh, with regard to that kind of label. But um, what you've done is you've bundled the funding for the utilization into a monthly premium. So I you see. pre-funded what you may or may not use. Gotcha. You get no information. All right? All right. Now, if you quote self-funded, you pay as you go. Oh. All right? Now, you pay as you go based on what has been incurred and billed. Yeah. So when a PBM sends a bill to a TPA, there has to be an invoice, and that invoice indicates what has been purchased. Gotcha. Okay? Now, uh, any any group that's self-funded should be looking at those invoices. And I can't tell you how many groups I've run into that don't even know they exist. Yeah, right, right. And if they're paying more like a premium, it's like it's the same as an individual. It's going to catch up to them the, the next month. They're yeah. going to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, Howard, all right, let me break this down. There are times when if I don't do something on a do list, it's because I haven't broken it down enough. So you say that a pharmacy should talk to employers at least once a week spend time doing that and it's got to be more of a conversation than okay let's do it today right break that down how do they do that do they wait for an employer to come in do they knock on a door they knock on a door oh that's too that's too nerve-wracking for us pharmacists that haven't sold before well 
Listen, it's it's nerve wracking to uh, get on a bicycle too. It's the first time. <laughs> it's nerve wracking to go on a first date. It's also nerve wracking to go out of business. Uh, yeah. So uh, look, if you're going to continue to do the same thing, right, and continue to get beaten up by the system, and you do nothing to help yourself, there aren't going to be others out there to help you. Right. Now, in our case, what we're offering our help, Mike. So if a, if a pharmacy will open a door, we'll, you know, uh, we'll pick up the ball from that point so that an employer can understand the system. But you got to open the door. Is there anybody listening to this that can't do that? Are you only able no. to go in so many states or can you talk to anybody? You can do it anywhere. Now, depending upon the size of the group, there are some states that are really, really tough because of the the the, the, uh, uh, the, the regulations they put on things. The yeah. West Coast is very tough. California, uh, Oregon, and Washington uh, are in their own world. Yeah. Um, the Northeast, from New Jersey on, you know, on up uh, into New England, uh, they're in their own world. The, the state you're in, Michigan, is that where you are, Mike? Yeah. That's a great state for this to happen. Okay. Matter of fact, we have a small pharmacist. Um, in McBain, Michigan, that we're working with right now, okay? Um, we, uh, uh, you know, mid, all your Midwest states, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Wisconsin, Minnesota's a little bit more difficult, uh, Ohio. The nasty ones that you've mentioned at the beginning, should they not even try on those, or can they still connect with you and you can... You, you should try. Uh, and if a group is 25 or more, uh, we can overcome just about all of it. Gotcha. All right? Gotcha. It's that but lower it's one. But smaller groups that have got uh, significantly more challenges. Yeah. Only because um, the resources that can be used as effectively as uh, you need them to be are not uh, being offered in those states because of the mandates that the states put on these carriers. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, Howard, when somebody connects with you – they could call you and then they could say, hey, I, or maybe it starts with this. They might say, hey, I haven't maybe actually been to someone's place and knocked on a cold call, but I know a company. I know a company that I'm going to approach and so on. They could contact your office and maybe see the next step or. Absolutely. We'll help them. You know, we, we'll, we'll go anywhere. Um we're, you know, we're working with a group down in Tampa right now, another one in, in a small town in Mississippi. Uh, I just got a call from, you know, a company in New Jersey. Uh, we just got a, another one um, in Louisiana, you know. So the point is we're, we're willing to do anything for anybody. Good. Um, but they have to be willing to be able to, you know, uh, be involved a little bit. Right. And I'm not talking about the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, but you know, to start to help uh, open doors to educate people. Yeah, let me let me let me give you uh, you know a, a scenario, Mike. Yeah, uh, you're in Grand Rapids, right? Okay, I happen to be a member of the Gerald Ford Museum, by the way. Oh, you are? Yes, I am. Nice. I'm a big fan of Gerald Ford. Oh, cool. Um, all right, so you're in Grand Rapids. So let's say that somebody comes in with their um, Blue Cross card. All yeah. right. Now, Blue Cross of Michigan is where? In uh, in Detroit or Probably Lansing? Detroit, yeah. Detroit. All right. And who's the PBM that they use? Is it uh, Prime Therapeutics, Express Scripts, or do they have their own now? It's Express Scripts, I think. Express Scripts. All yeah. right. 
Now, you're in Grand Rapids. Blue Cross is in Detroit. Express Scripts is in St. Louis. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, and um, let's take the school district. That's right there in Grand Rapids. Yeah. They come in with their uh, with their Blue Cross card. Right. And let's say that uh, – and use a real simple model, uh, a $100 prescription with a $25 copay. Yeah. Okay? All right. So the copay is $25. The balance of the cost of the drug might appear to be 100 but you really don't know what the plan is being charged behind the scenes over and above that. Of course. Sure. All right? Now – Let's say that school district uh, has a premium of a hundred thousand a month, or one point two million dollars for a group. You know, for Grand Rapids, I'm sure it's a lot bigger than that, but let's just use that for round figures. Sure. All right. So, in order for that individual to get his hundred dollar drug for his twenty five dollar copay, that district has to send a hundred thousand dollars to Detroit at the beginning of the month. Gotcha. Now, you in turn to get your to, to get paid have to send a request for your money to Express Scripts in St. Louis. Sure. Express Scripts in St. Louis now sends a request for the money to pay for this to Blue Cross in Detroit. Now, Blue Cross in Detroit then hits your account for an amount unknown to you, mm-hmm. then sends, it, sends uh, another unknown amount back to Express Scripts in St. Louis. And then when they get it, they take their share out and send you what little they send you 45 days later in Grand Rapids. Right. Both of you guys are in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Why do these – what value do these guys in Detroit and St. Louis add to this, but they add cost to this? Yeah, right. Now, wouldn't it make more sense if the two of you got together and worked directly with each other? Yeah. Now – you take a small town of 6,000 people and take that scenario where the pharmacist is literally across the street practically from the school district. Right, or the city, exactly. And take that model and apply that to the guys who are across the street from each other. Yeah. What logical sense does that make? It doesn't. No. Especially when you know there's a lot of fat. Exactly. But even if there weren't, what sense would it make? Yeah, because there has to be fat because it's traveling across the world and it's... Well, you have middlemen. They're not going to do it for free and they're not going to do it for less than what you're going to get paid in the first place. Well, there you go. So while you're getting underpaid, these guys all over the country are getting overpaid and the local money is being sent all over the place and nobody knows what they're being charged with public money. But all they know is that they have a card that has a label on it that says this is healthcare when it's nothing more than accounts payable. Somebody fighting against that would say, well, yeah, but when you've got the big conglomerates and even with there's more hands involved, they're getting cheaper prices because of being bigger and so on. And that's where you just pull out these articles and your own information if you have and say, no, in fact, it's not. Because now that the gag clauses are gone, you can clearly see here that we're only getting paid this and they're getting paid five times this. And that argument of saying the economies of scales are there are not there. The economies of scale are there for their benefit, (laughs) not for the benefit of the policy. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. As a matter of fact, I have actually taken provisions out of a Blue Cross United Healthcare and uh, Aetna policy, each three of them. And the provisions in different words specifically state 
in very clear English that the, the uh, carrier gets rebates and price allowances and discounts, and they specifically say we do not pass it on to the policyholder. Yeah. I put that right in front of them. I said, look. Yeah. You're not getting the discounts. They're telling you that right. right there in your policy. We had a little bit of a glitch in the sound. And so Howard moved from a picture of Charles Bronson in the background to now in front of a bunch of bats from like, it looks like from Goodfellas or what movie that was at that, <laughs> De Niro or someone. I forget which one it well, was. Well, I tell people I have a bunch of old bats working for me and they don't believe me. So there I put it out of <laughs> Remember when we were kids, you had signature bats, you had the names of the players etched in all the bats? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what these are. Well, Howard, I'm going to tell our listeners, I know one area that you and I connected are LinkedIn. And so I'm going to tell them that's one area I know, even if they just want to shout out to you and say hi, I know that's one area they can go. Is there a better method just to say hello to you that they heard you on the show and just at least reach out? Absolutely. Let me give you my telephone number. Sure. Uh, the office is 314. Okay. Nine nine seven. Okay. Eight eight six five. Okay. Our name is Employers Committed to Control Health Insurance Costs, and the anacronym is uh, ECHIC. E as in Edward, C as in Carl, C as in Carl, H I C. So our email is the ECHIC Group. That's the word the T H E, and then E C C H I C Group G R O U P at ECCHIC.com. And also they can check out our website at ECCHIC.com. We'll encourage listeners if they've heard something they like here and the step is still too much to go across and to knock on the door of the place across the street, at minimum, they should hop on the website and reach out and just say hello. We'd welcome an opportunity to talk to anybody, Mike, and uh, we'll go anywhere. And... Um, all they got to do is open the door and we'll help them uh, uh, do something behind it. Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, Howard, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too, Mike. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, even though the Tigers beat the Cardinals in the World Series some years ago, I won't hold that against oh. anybody up there. I was born in 66. Okay. And in 76, I was, let's say 10. I was 10. Uh-huh. So people would talk about the 68 Tigers. And I would right. say, Come on, you guys are a bunch of old farts. You're talking about black and white TV. This was ages ago. Well, of course, it was only eight years ago, you know, 76 to 68. But now I talk about the 84 Tigers like it was yesterday, you know. No kidding. And that was, what, 35 years ago or something like that, Uh you know. So, um, but but I I lived in St. Louis for a year, though. So so I've got a little bit of St. Louis blood in me. That's terrific. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of Gerald Ford, so uh, right back at you. It sounds like it's even now. <laughs> All right, Howard, you take care. We'll be following you. That's great. And, and uh, let's stay in touch, Mike. All right, we'll do. Thanks, Howard. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.